had to run down, uh, down and pick up my Bible. I forgot it. It's not a good thing. Not when you're preaching. Amen. Uh, open your Bibles to James chapter 1, verses 22. We're going to read verses 22 through 25. And this is going to be our, 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 our passage for today. Kind of everything bases off of this. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to work everything around and make sense of it all. Um, so, uh, how's everybody doing today, huh? Good? Are you awake? Amen. Amen. That's good. It's always good to see smiling faces. It's always good to see you here. Amen. It's always good to see Pastor Jeff in the front row making fun of me, laughing at me. Yeah. Praise God. All right, you guys there? Say amen if you're there. Amen. amen. All right. James chapter 1, verse 22. It reads this way. Uh, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your, uh, de- deceiving your own selves. Verse 23. For if any be a hearer, of the word, and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Verse 25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, is a man, or this man shall be blessed in his deed. All right. Um, I know we, we, we talk about this verse a lot. You know, be a, do, be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. You know, uh, but, you know, this isn't what I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to focus, focus on today uh, so much as the Bible, the word of God, is a mirror in which we find ourselves. You guys understand that? It says here in, in, in verse 23 that uh, he that is a hearer of the word and not a doer, is like a man beholding him his natural face in a glass. James is saying here, the word of God shows us what we are. It, it, it's a mirror to us. It shows us who we are, our, our, our faults, our, our, our strengths, our weaknesses, all these different things. How many of you guys woke up today and didn't look in a mirror? No one. Well, that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> Because uh, it would be a sight to see, you know, everybody, every, every one of us, no matter how much hair, you know, I'm, I'm 25 years old, I'm losing my hair. Isn't it? I mean, that's, that's, it's a shame, but I am. And, uh, uh, but no matter how thin my hair gets, I always, I always notice that uh, I have bedhead when I wake up. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? Everybody have, have that same problem. They wake up. Their hair's going this way and that way and that way. Everybody's got that same problem. You wake up, you uh, go to the mirror, and you uh, have this frightened look on your face because uh, some ladies don't have mascara on <laughs> or any kind of makeup. I'm not saying, no, you know, guys need to shave, you know, and, you know, every once in a while, I don't understand how it happens, but overnight, you have this blemish that just pops up. It's like a spotlight on your forehead, you know? You're like, how, where, where, that wasn't there last night. I know it wasn't there last night. And you look in the mirror and it, and it scares you because you think you have another, another head growing, you know? <laughs> you, um, you know like your Siamese twin is coming out. Um, I, I'm sorry, this is me. I'm just going to be real with y'all. I, I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. This is just me. 
Um, so I'm not trying to be funny or anything like that. I just, I just want to be me. Um, but this is true. You know, you wake up and you, you, you have fungus growing on your teeth or something. You know, it's, it's, it's bad. It's, and, and you can see it sometimes. Isn't that gross? Thank God we have mirrors in our bathrooms. Amen. Because they show us what we need to know. The word is a mirror which allows us to see our spiritual state of being. It's, it lets us show our spiritual bedhead, or see our spiritual bedhead. It lets us see those spiritual blemishes on our faces that would cause people to walk away from Christ. <laughs> uh, you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it makes sense, right? It's, we're likening the word to a mirror. Throughout our Christian life, or I like to say our Christian journey, because you never, uh, you never arrive in this, in this, uh, in this life. We're, we're never going to be perfect here on this earth. And, and so it's a journey that we're set out on. Uh, you know, we, 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 we start out uh, in, in, in the world, in Egypt, and we walk, and we, we're searching for that promised land. We're going to that promised land. But all throughout this world, we're walking through the wilderness, and, and, and we're, God is working on us, changing us, molding us into his image. And, and that's what the word, is, uh, the word is for. So throughout our Christian journey, uh, we must always and we must continually look into the mirror. Look into that, into that word. What is it, I mean, what good would it be to only, uh, to only look in a mirror once a week? What good would it be to only look into the mirror once? I mean, I don't know about you, but my beard continually uh, grows. And, and, and sometimes it grows at, at such an astonishing rate that I, I, I can't keep up, you know, my razor, the, the, the bill that I, I, I pay. You know, razors are really expensive. And I have to buy razors, and sometimes I buy more razors than I do gas. You know, I'm just, I'm just but that's, that's, you know what I'm saying? You're continually have to, having to shape up. You're continually having to look at yourself and change uh, and, and, and work those things out. You know what I'm saying? I say that a lot. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I'll try to, see, God, is, I'm, I'm seeing myself in this mirror, and, and I see all my faults. A mirror will show you uh, or show us two things: our strengths and our weaknesses. It'll show us where we fall short. But then again, you know, sometimes it'll show us, hey, you know, you walk across, you walk into the room, you know, you know those people. I, I tend to be one of them. You walk past a mirror, and you're like, hey, what's going on? There's, there's those people that they'll, they'll look. You know, Shelby, hey, yeah. You know, you, you walk in, and you don't even know there's a mirror there, but something just kind of draws your attention. You're like, hey, <laughs> smooth, <laughs> you know. Yeah, the ladies like you. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Who couldn't fall in love with that, right? So, uh, but you all know those kind of people. And then there's some people that, that run away from that, you know, because they're scared at what they see. You know, they walk in, whoa. Oh my, you know, you know, they, or, or I just remember Pastor Jeff in Thailand, I, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Galatians, turn to Galatians chapter five. He is going to, he's going to reap one day for all the things that he's put me through. Do you know how many times he tried to marry me off when I was in Thailand? I said, Pastor Jeff, I got a girlfriend back home. Man. What are you doing to me? All right. Um, Galatians chapter 5. 
We're going to read verses 19 through 26. All right. You there? Amen. (laughs) Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Verse 21, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you uh, in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, yeah, I'm, I'm reading it right. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. All right? There we see a, a perfect picture of the mirror of the Word of God. Out of that, out of that passage, we can, feel, we can feel conviction for the, the lives that we live. You know, uh, we can feel conviction for the, uh, the murders that we've done and, and, you know, all these different sins, the, the, these things. Uh, you can see where that conviction comes. But on the other side of it, you can see the love of God working in your life. You can see the joy and the peace and, and, and all these fruits of the Spirit working in your life. Are we there yet? No. You know, sometimes it's all mixed around. But we can see what we need to change. Does that make sense? Some people don't like mirrors because they don't like what they see in them. Uh. We, you know, there's this, this thing going around, or not going around, you know, I, I always hear about people with low self-esteem. I feel sorry for people like that. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I, I understand how that can be. You know, the world tells you all these different, all these horrible things about you. You're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not uh, skinny enough. You're not tall enough. You're not short enough. You're not, you know, fat enough. You're not, you know, happy enough, yada, yada, yada. And so through all of that, if we listen to the world, uh, then we can, we can get this distorted picture of ourselves. And it's, it can be a discouraging thing. Um, but we've got to know the Word of God. That's why we've got to look in the mirror. Because despite what we see in ourselves, despite the horrible things that we may see, that, you know, if we look into the mirror and we say, oh my goodness, it says envyings and murders and drunkenness. I, I get drunk every weekend and, and, and I must be this horrible, horrible sinner. But you know what? That's what the word of God is there for. It convicts us of our sin. I'm getting ahead of myself. Others look into the mirror, into, into every mirror that they, come, uh, that they can because they like what, what, what they see. You know, people like Shelby and me. <laughs> you know, you, they, they're the people that walk by the mirrors and they flex, you know, and they're like, Yeah! Some people have really good imaginations. Yeah. <laughs> Kissing their muscles. Like Shelby. Um, still, some like carnival mirrors because they only show what they want to see. You guys know people like that that take the Word of God and they bend it and twist it to where, oh, yeah, you know, but God loves sinners and so. It's okay to be a homosexual because God loves me. Well, hey, amen. God loves you. But God hates the sin, you know? Uh, let's, let's look in a true mirror. 
Uh, mirrors can tell us the truth or lies, depending on what type of mirror they are or what type of mirror we look into. You've been to the carnival. You know what I'm talking about, carnival mirrors. You know, those are the ones that, that uh, are wavy and all that kind of stuff. And you walk into one, and you're like three foot tall and five foot wide. And then you walk into another one, and you're like eight feet tall and two inches wide. And uh, then you have, uh, you know, you walk into to others that will like make your biceps look huge and your waist look skinny. And, and you, you, you see what I'm saying. A lot of people uh, do this. And I, I, I tell you, this is the, what the world puts out for, for us. So you look into the, wor- uh, the mirror that the world gives you, and they say, oh, you're not, you're not bad compared to him. You're not bad compared to that. You know, everything's relative. Where did that come from? Relative. What is everything relative? Whoever believes that is lying to themselves. There are truths. There are, there are absolute truths. I don't care. Gravity is not relative. I mean, if you think everything is relative, that means I can, I can, you know, drop this pin and uh, relatively to me, you know, I, I don't know, you know, maybe it won't fall to the ground, but does it every time I drop it? You know, I, I don't, every single time, there is no relative. And so, but the world would like you to believe that. The world would like you to believe that, hey, I'm okay compared to someone else. And, uh, and they want you to feel good about, your, about yourself. Well, hey, you know, you may have premarital sex, but at least you're not sleeping around on your wife because you're not married, right? You're just living with that woman. You're not married, but, you know, you, you sleep around on her anyway. I mean, <laughs> at least I'm not married, right? <laughs> Golly. Or, or, you know, hey, I, I can go out and, and I can get knee-walking, commode-hunging drunk, like Pastor, uh, Pastor would say. And, hey, I'm okay because at least I'm not doing cocaine, right? At least I'm not doing the hard stuff. Uh, but that's the world, that's the mirrors, that's a carnival mirror. It doesn't show you what you really are. It shows you what you want to see. We have to realize that we need to look into a true mirror. How many of you would like to have a carnival mirror in your bathroom? <laughs> Some of us. No, but seriously, I mean, if you had a, a mirror that was all wavy, I mean, you couldn't see if your hair was fixed right. You couldn't see, you know, if you missed a spot shaving. You know, it, it would be difficult to prepare yourself for the day. You'd walk out looking like a circus clown. Now, isn't it funny that, you know, circus clowns and carnivals, they're going to go hand in hand? I think it's because of the mirrors. You know, they don't, you know that's how they learned how to put on makeup, Right? Some people come out looking like, looking like circus clowns, you know. Anyway, um, but we have to look into the real true mirror, a true mirror. I don't want a, a carnival mirror in my, in my bathroom because I want to see what I really look like. So despite all the blemishes that I see, I, you know, they, they actually make mirrors, and the ladies know this, for you guys, that magnify. Yeah, so you can really see, <laughs> you know. You, you we're, we're used to us guys are used to looking in that 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 mirror that's on the on the wall, and these ladies they have this mirror that you flip it over, and it's like it's like you know a zoom you know, and and you like you're like holy cow that is another head, you know, <laughs> it's smiling at me you know, <laughs> you see these different things but you really see that and so what we want to do is we want to we want to have a true mirror that shows us truly who we are. 
Uh, turn to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to get there. Numbers chapter 13. We're going to read uh, verses 30 through 31. I'm going to give you a little bit of background story for this. Okay, we've had the 12 spies that are chosen uh, from uh, one from each uh, camp and one from each uh, family in Israel. And uh, Moses sends them into the promised land. And then they come back from the promised land. And they're carrying grapes. And they have to, they, these, these grapes are so huge, you know, all, they're, they're carrying back the proof that they went to the promised land and, and, and the blessings of the promised land and all this kind of stuff. They have this, gra- this bunch of grapes that they have to carry suspended on a pole between two men. That's a lot of grapes. Those are big grapes. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a, a, a truly is a land that flows with milk and honey. Okay? And they come back. And uh, what we're going to see here in verse, uh, verse 30 is, is there was, a, differing, there was, there was a, a difference of opinion between 10 of the, uh, the spies and 2 of the spies. All right? Uh, 10 of them, I'm not, I, I, you know, everybody forgets their names because they're really not important because we learned that they, they, had, they were looking in the wrong mirror. Yeah. And the two that were looking into the mirror go on and have, uh, have a great role to play in the, in the history of Israel. Uh, but we pick up in, in verse 30, um, and let's read here in verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men uh, that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. All right? Let's, uh, let's look at these two differing opinions. Who's looking into the Word of God? Caleb is. Caleb knows that, hey, listen, this is the God. We serve this God that brought us out of Egypt. He, he uh, sent the plagues into, uh, into Egypt, and, and he guarded us with the pillar of fire, and, 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 the, and he led us with the, the cloud of smoke, and, and, and all these different things. And, uh, and I know that with God, we can go up and we can, I don't care if there's giants in the land. We can kill them. I'm ready to do it. Let's go. Come on, you know. And, and, and Joshua was the same way. Joshua was saying the same thing. And we, we, we find out later that Joshua was, was on Caleb's side. But the, the people that were, uh, the, other, the other ten spies say, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. There's giants. The, the cities are walled and they're heavily fortified. We're just a band of nobodies. We can't go in there and take over. Are you kidding? These, they'll kill us. We have to understand that we've got to look into that mirror of, of the word. Because if we don't, if we, if we believe what the world tells us, because this is what this, the ten spies were saying. They're believing the world's report, that evil report. If we believe what the world tells us, we'll never get anywhere in life. You'll be held back by fear. You'll be he- held back by all different kind of things. And, it, and, and life just isn't worth living. It's the truth. But if we take our image from the Word of God, we know that, hey, greater is he, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We know that, uh, that if God be for me, who can be against me? We know that if God's done all these great things, if he's delivered me from sin, he'll deliver me from the hand of, of the devil. He'll deliver me from any trouble I encounter in life. Amen. With God on my side, I can, do all, I can do it all. In and of myself, hey, the world's right. I'm a nobody. But with God, 
But with God, all things are possible. In fact, I had a friend tell me once, um, there's that, I, can't, I don't remember, you know, this is just kind of off the top of my head, or remembering. Um, but there's, there's a verse that says that with Jesus, nothing is impossible. He said, think about that, Cole. It says, with Jesus, nothing is impossible. Now, we think, well, that means everything's possible, right? Yeah, but it also means that if I'm with Jesus, the ability to do nothing is impossible for me. If Jesus is in me, I'm going to be working for him. If Jesus is working through me, I'm going to be, I'm going to be doing the things that he's called me to do. Amen. Sitting around on my, uh, you know, on my couch uh, is not possible if I have Jesus. I'm not saying you know, relaxing is, is a bad thing, or, but you, you hear what I'm saying. Just doing nothing with my life is impossible if I have Jesus Christ in me. If I look into the mirror of, God, the, mirror of the word, uh, doing not, absolutely nothing is impossible for me. Caleb was looking into the Word. Uh, do you guys know anything about the Hubble telescope? Yeah? You remember when they, when they first sent it up into orbit that they had problems with it? What was the problem? It was taking fuzzy pictures. It was out of focus. Why was that? It was the mirror on it. The main refra uh, refracting mirror was off by a minute, minute, just a tiny, tiny bit. And so what did they do? They had to send up another space shuttle Grind a new mirror, make a brand new mirror, and replace that old mirror. And now the pictures, have you ever seen pictures taken by the Hubble? They're amazing. They're stunning. They're, clear, they, they're, they're, they're super, super clear. And it, isn't, it, isn't it amazing just the, the fraction that that mirror was off, how much of a difference it makes? That's what happens when we, we insert our own ideas into this word. That's what happens when, uh, when you, you believe what a preacher says over the word. And, I, you know, I'll just get down and, uh, you know, right down on the, on the level with you, you know. If you believe what I'm saying because I'm saying it, you're believing for the wrong reasons. I don't care if, if Pastor Lenore's up here, Pastor Jeff, would, I'm sure would echo me, uh, or myself, or uh, Kenneth Hagin, or, or, you know, if, if Billy Graham, I don't care. If someone comes up here and tells you something, you know what? If they say something that's contrary to the Word of God, I don't care who they are. The Word of God is true. Amen. That's where so many Christians go wrong. We don't have a daily, a daily time where we, we can study the Word. We, don't have, uh, you, we, we, must, we must continually look into the mirror of the Word. Get, I mean, look at this. Um, how can I know what the Word says about me if I don't read the Word? How can I know what I look like if I don't look into a mirror every morning? Amen. You know, if, if, I, if I hadn't looked in the mirror from the time that I was 18 until now, I almost didn't get into China. I took a, my passport picture when I, was in, uh, and, and when I was 18 years old. They almost did not let me into China because it, the, the, the picture was so different. If I hadn't looked into a mirror... From then until now, I wouldn't know who I am. I would be thinking that I was a, you know, 152-pound little geeky, skinny guy. And, you know, people are laughing at me. It's all right. That's what I was like. I was 152 pounds when I graduated high school. And uh, now I'm a 200 pounds. <laughs> little more plump. <laughs> I'm a lot more hairy except on top. You know, got a beard. 
You know, the, this guy, I had to pull out my driver's license so that they would, you know, to, to you know, collaborate my story. Listen, it's been seven years since I've taken that picture. So, um, what, am I, what, what am I saying? We've got to always look into the mirror. We've always got to look into the Word of God to see who we are. If we don't read our Bible every day, you do not know who you are. That's just plain and simple fact. So, if you don't get anything out of this, anything else, remember this. Read your Bible every day. Read your Bible every day. Because that is God talking to you. And so, uh, and, and what it'll allow you to do is if someone comes up and, say, and, and shows you uh, another picture of yourself, you know, they show you a, a mirror that's, that's distorted, you know, and say, say something that's not scriptural, you'll be able to say, hey, no, no, no. I looked into my mirror this morning, and I know that this is, the, this is the word. I know that this is truth. You see, does that make sense? Praise the Lord. I love this, man. This is good stuff. Praise God. All right, let's look at another person that, looked at, uh, that was looking in the wrong mirror. Turn to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. You know, these are some of my favorite stories. I don't know. They're good ones. You guys know the story of Gideon. Um, let's start reading. Um, let's start reading in verse 6. I mean, sorry, verse 11. 11 through 16. It says, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, uh, under an oak which was at Ophrah, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abizurite. <laughs> yes, you know. Preachers do have problems pronouncing those things, too, if you just didn't know. Um, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Okay, before we go on any further, the, Israel has come into the Promised Land. And uh, they had fallen into sin, and they were being oppressed by the Midianites. Midianites, another kingdom, uh, another, another people, they were coming in, they would come in and they would steal their harvest. And so to hide the harvest, Gideon was threshing his wheat by the winepress. Gideon was the weakest in his father's house, and his father's house was the weakest in all of Israel. And let's move on. Verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto, uh, unto him, The Lord is with thee, thy mighty, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O oh, uh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all, all his miracles, which our fathers told, uh, told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But, changing the page, Now the Lord has spoken, or hath, hath forsaken us, and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, that thou shalt, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Have not I sent, sent thee? Verse 15. And he said unto him, o, Lord, o my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Verse 16. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midians as one man. All right. Here is Gideon. He's, he's spent all of his life looking into the mirror that the world, the world has shown him. 
when we were in Thailand, uh, we, we saw this people group called the Karen. And these people have been enslaved by the Burmese, uh, by the Burmese government for many, many years. And uh, many of them have fled the country only to, uh, to wind up in a refugee camp that they can't leave uh, in, on the border of Thailand and, and Burma. And uh, they've, you know, uh, how long did that, bur- uh, 25 years it's been, that camp's been there? And uh, we're talking to Brother Steve, and he said, man, it's, it's amazing the mentality of these people. They just have this, sla- you get so used to slavery that you have this mentality that I can't do anything. And, and this, is, this is where Gideon was. He was in a refugee camp. We're just waiting to be set upon by the, uh, by the, you know, by the Burmese, by the Midianites. Um, uh, praise God. <laughs> All right, uh, so um, just to be, uh, they're, they're waiting to be set on by, by, the, the, by the Midianites. Uh, hiding, they're expecting it. They're expecting to be slaves. They've lived so long in it. And then God shows up. And he shows them a different picture of himself. What did God call Gideon? Mighty man of valor. He said, you're going you're to deliver Israel from the Midianites as one man. A mighty, thou mighty man of valor. Man. I mean, can he see the difference in, in opinion? The world calls us slaves. The world, you know, the, the enemy is, is continually accusing us before God. Look at them. They're no good. They're, they're sinners. Look at, look at where they fall. Look at the faults that they have. What is Jesus saying? I've paid the price. They're, they're, my, they're, they're, they're co-heirs with me. I'm with them, Lord. You know, I've, I've paid the price. They're your children. Do you see the different picture? We always ought to look into, the, uh, the, into the, the kingdom of God. We always ought to look into the mirror of the word of God because it's the mirror of the word of God that we find strength. It's the mirror of the word of God that we can, we can overcome. This comes, and I'll just tell you the story behind this. I was, I, I've been, God has kind of been dealing with me uh, about this since, uh, since we were in Thailand. And I, so that's why I talk about it. And I talk about Thailand a lot. Um, when we were uh, speaking in the uh, at Prapons at Prapons uh, Bible School near the Burmese border, it's the same place we saw that uh, that refugee camp. One of the pastors stood up. I had a, a question and answer time, and one of the pastors I had just showed, shared this verse uh, out of James. One of the pastors stood up and he said, "Well, what if you don't see yourself in the Word?" So you say the the Word is a mirror. What if you don't see yourself in it? And you know. Uh, I said, well, you know, that's, that's the thing, is if we don't see ourselves in the Word, uh, God has called us to change, to renew our, our, our minds, to, to change to His Word, to be conformed to His image. We'll go over that later. And, and it, was, it was such a foreign concept. Um, the Thai churches, Thai, uh, the, the Thai churches are, are uh, churches, that, and I think it goes along with the... the uh, the culture—it's uh, brother Steve called it a culture of contradictions. Um, you, you know, they smile at you on one hand and then stab you in the back on the other. You know, and um, but uh, like the the Koreans had come in and put up all these these uh, signs, these yellow signs that say uh, Jesus is Lord or, or Jesus saves, trust in Jesus, something like that. And um, the the Buddhist news networks. And all, you know, all the Buddhists that, uh, that control the country, they, they make fun of them. And so what do the Thai, uh, the Thai Christians do? 
They say, oh, we don't believe in that. Because, they, you know, oh, we, you know, it's, you know, that's, that, that's silly. Why would, you, why would you say something like that? Because the Buddhists are making fun. And they don't want to be impolite or they don't want to be, you know, it, the, the praise of men is more important than the praise of God. And um, so when I was sharing this, the, the man that was with us, Daw, uh, he really latched onto it. And um, we, we went back, and, and I didn't realize how much it, it had, had affected him until we went back to Brother Steve's church and preached in Brother Steve's church. And, and Daw gave, uh, stood up to give a testimony, and he, he did a little sermonette on this. And um, Brother Steve told me later, he said, Cole, he said, you know, this, it's amazing to hear that because that's such a foreign concept to the ties. To, to see yourself in the Word and to see where you fall short and to change, that's a, you know, most of them want to change the Word to fit their image. And isn't that the, isn't that the truth? Isn't that what most, uh, most Americans want to do? We don't, we don't like hearing that we're wrong. Nobody likes to hear that, that they're wrong. Nobody likes it. I remember when I, was, when I was, uh, first started to come to this church, when I first was born again, uh, I started coming, and I, I started reading my Bible by my, uh, you know, on my own. And I remember one night, I was, uh, I was reading my Bible, and I was reading in Proverbs. And I don't know what happened. I, 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 don't, I think I was watching some people on TV, or I don't know. I don't know where I heard this from. Um, but I was reading something, and I, I read it, and I, I got mad. I said, no. I said, that is wrong. Pointed out my Bible, that's wrong. And then God kicked me in the shins, you know. I, I had this check in my spirit. I was like, you know what? What I believe is wrong. What the Word says is right. And I learned my lesson then. The Word is our standard. The Word is the truth. Let God be true, uh, let, let God be true and every man a liar. That's just the, that's just the God honest truth. We must uh, we must change. If if you uh, hear something, if you believe something, and it doesn't line up with the word, you got to change your beliefs. I'm sorry. That's just there's no there, there's no way around it. And, and this may be hard, but it's the way it's the way it is. If you don't, you're you're asking for trouble. If you don't, you're you're asking to uh, to bring a, a curse upon yourself. You're in idolatry. You're believing, you know, you're, you're worshiping yourself, your own beliefs, above God. You're making God into your own image. Instead of making yourself into the image of God. So, uh, only in the Word of God can we get a clear picture of who we are in Christ and who we are without Christ. Turn to Colossians, uh, I'm sorry, first, is it 1 Corinthians? Let me go there. 1 Corinthians 6, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Are we there yet? Yeah. Okay. Know ye not, verse, uh, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor uh, adulterous, uh, adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Listen in verse, verse 11. And such were some of you. 
but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You know, it's very important. You know, hey, this is the truth. We were all sinners. The Bible says in Romans uh, chapter 3, verse 23, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. We were all sinners. Such were some of us. We were all like this. But we're saved through Jesus. We're saved through His grace. That amazing grace that we sang about. The, 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 the rock of Christ Jesus. Uh, on Christ the solid rock we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Everything else that we put our, our trust in is sinking sand. And it's only by, by looking in this mirror that we can see and get a clear picture of who we are. Who are we, without, uh, who are we with Christ? Well, it, it says here in verse 11, uh, we're washed, we're sanctified, we're justified uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus. We're, uh, we are His. We are children of God. But without Christ, what are we? Without the Word, what are we? We are fornicators. We are adult, uh, uh, adulterers. We're idolaters. We're effeminate. We're abusers of, of ourselves with mankind. We're thieves. We're covetous. We're drunkards. We're revelers. We're, we're extortioners. We are sinners without Christ. And it's only through the Word of God that you can see that. You know, um, in Operation Go, we train people to, to preach the gospel. We train people to share the word of God with, uh, with others and, and to, uh, to help them to uh, understand the, the price that Christ, gave, that price, the price that Christ gave, uh, paid for us. Good grief. Um, and, and one of these ways that we talk about is uh, use the, the, the Ten Commandments. Um, I think I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, the fact is that the only, it's only through the word of God that... Uh, it's only through the Word of God that people will be convicted of their sin. Turn to Matthew. Let's turn to Matthew, chapter 5. I'm going to share with you what we, we, we teach in Operation Go. Matthew, chapter 5. This is not all what we teach in Operation Go, but part of it. We're going to start reading in verse 21. We talk about the, you know, so many people you, you, you run across and you say, hey, you know, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven if you died today? Do you know for sure if you go? If you died today, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? They say, well, I think so. Why? Well, I'm a good person. I haven't broken the Ten Commandments. That's the one thing that you hear. I'm a good person, or I haven't broken the Ten Commandments. Um, and you say, hey, great, that's, that's, that's great. You know what the Bible says about the Ten Commandments, right? Uh, and they say, yeah, you know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit you know, adultery, yada, yada, yada. Um, and the first, first of all, you can say, hey, all right, you haven't broken the Ten Commandments? The Bible says, thou shalt not lie. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not lie. Bear false witness. Thou shalt not lie. Uh, have you ever lied? I mean, come on now. Have you ever lied? If you tell me that you didn't lie, that you've never lied, you're lying to me right now. So <laughs> there's no way around it. We've all lied. And okay, but that's a little one, you know. Hey, everybody's light, so it's a it's a little sin. Okay, well, let's look at this. Um, Matthew chapter five, verse twenty-one says, "Jesus is talking." Okay, so these words have authority, right? Uh, Ye have heard that it's uh, that it was said, 
by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. It's a big one, right? Anybody murder anybody in here? No? Good. Um, if you did, I wasn't expecting you to raise your hand, you know, legal ramifications, all that kind of stuff. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. Verse 22 says, But I say unto you that whosoever is angry at his bro- or with his brother without cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Reka shall be in danger of, of the council, and whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Now, what is this saying? If the Bible says, Thou shalt not kill, but if I'm angry at my brother without cause, I've already committed murder in my heart. How many of us have done that? I'm raising my hand. All right? I'm guilty. Skip on down to verse 27. And ye have heard that it, uh, that it was said of them by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh upon a woman, and I could put, or a man, to lust after her or him, hath committed adultery with her or him already in their heart, in his heart. Okay, I don't, need to, I don't need to ask for a show of hands. But we've all done that. Amen? Am I right? Okay, I'm not the only one that's done that, right? Okay. I hear that's a common problem. <laughs> that's a common sin, yeah. No sin has befallen you, but such is common unto man, you know, whatever. Romans 3.23, we read it earlier, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You tell someone, listen, hey, I'm, I'm a good person, but then you, you talk about the Ten Commandments. I haven't broken the Ten Commandments. So what you, you, you just told me, first of all, if you've lied, you're a liar. And, and we just talked about murder and adultery. What does that make us? We're lying, murderous adulterers, or adulterous murderers, however you want to put it. That sounds bad. But that's the Word of God. That's, what's lo- that what's, that's what looking into the Word shows you. That's who you are without Christ. It's the mirror of the Word of God. It shows us who we are. But for Christians, this should not be grievous. Okay, I know there's a little bit of hellfire and brimstone in that. <laughs> it's a little, uh, Pastor Jeff is smiling out here on the front row. He's like, he likes the smell of sulfur. Um, but the, uh, you know, we, this, it, it, you know, <laughs> Sometimes you got to make hell hot <laughs> and heaven barely a possibility. No, uh, it's not. Because why? Jesus came and paid the price for us. Heaven isn't barely a possibility. Heaven is open. God's love is, is there for each one of us. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what, the, that's what Romans says. Whosoever, in Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 9, and 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Why? Because it's with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you call on Jesus' name, that's all you got to do. How easy is that? How easy is that? But the Bible says, 
uh, the, you know, broad is the way that leads unto, unto destruction. Wide is the path that leads unto, uh, unto destruction. But narrow and, and straight is the way that leads unto life. Yes. And many there are that go there by something or other. I think that's how it says in the King James. Uh, but still, here, 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 here we are. Why is it so hard? Why is, the, why is it that the, the, the road is so broad to go to hell? It's so easy to re- walk into the straight road. It's all, it's so, well, it's, it's not easy. The reason is, is because we have to wrap our mind around the fact that we don't have to do anything. You know, when we get up in the morning, we look in the mirror. We, have, we, we see all the problems with us. We see the bed head. We see the pimples. We see, uh, you know, the nasty teeth. We see the, you know, the, uh, the, the five o'clock shadows. We see our faces without makeup. We see all these different things. And, and we, we have to do something about that. I mean, all the praying, I mean, you can be as spiritual as you want, but as much praying as you do, I, I can t- I, you can play, pray until you're blue in the face and it will not change your physical appearance in the morning. The fact is, is that your pillow messes your head up. It messes your hair up. You know, you can only sleep in one position, uh, you know, before you get that flat spot in your hair, you know? And you can only, uh, you can only go so long before you have to brush your teeth again. Um, and, and we can be all, you know, as spiritual as we want to be, but uh, the fact is, is we have to change ourselves. And, uh, but that's where, the, that's where the analogy breaks down, is that when we accept Christ, yeah, there, there's something that we have to do. We have to be willing to be changed. We have to accept the change. But is it us that does the change? No. See, it's, it's from looking into the mirror. It's from looking into the Word that changes us. You know, if you, you read the Bible, eventually what you read is going to get into your heart. And you're going to be changed from the inside out. That's why, hey, here at Word of Life Church, we accept people. I, I, don't, I don't care if you just come in from walking the streets. I don't care if you just come in and, and you're drunk or, 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 or high as a kite. It doesn't matter. We accept anybody here. Why? Because we don't change. The outside is, is irrelevant. The outside is, you know, we, we, we ask that you cover yourself. <laughs> but other than that, it's irrelevant. What it is is God changes from the inside out. It's not my job to change you. It's God's job. He's the one that convicts sin. When I got born again, I cussed like a sailor. I'll just, I'm, I'm honest, right? Every other word that came out of my mouth was four letters. And uh, I, uh, you know, I didn't see anything wrong with it. I was like, hey, no problem. It's just, you know, that's how I express myself. I, you know, my parents cussed. Why can't I cuss? And then I'm sitting, you know, I'd, I'd been coming here for, I don't know, three, four months. Then I'm sitting in youth group, and uh, Pastor Doug at the time was sharing a verse that we're going to share later. And uh, it said, let no evil uh, or corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And it wasn't him that said it to me. I mean, he was preaching on something entirely different. But what happened? The Holy Spirit gave me another nudge, you know. And I was like, man, I need to stop cussing. Did I change right then? No. 
I, <laughs> I still slipped and fell and, and, and backed up. But eventually, it, it worked. It worked itself out. Eventually, by putting in the word of God into my heart, God changed me. He changed my heart. What, why, why was I cussing? Because that was what was in my heart. But after filling my heart with the word, then that cussing just kind of, you know, went away. And now I, you know, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm perfect. You know, my, my close friends around me know that I'm not perfect. But I'm on my way. You know, I'm on that journey. So uh, let's move on. For Christians, this looking into the Word and seeing our flaws and, and seeing the, the places where we fall short, it shouldn't be grievous to us. Why? Turn to Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to pull it out of the Old Testament and then we're going to look at it in the New Testament. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Tell, say amen when you get there. All right. It says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Verse 12, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as the Father the Son, even as a Father the Son in whom he delighteth. How many of you all love your children? And how many of you uh, would correct your children. If you, if you saw them running out in the middle of the street, would you, would you grab them and paddle their behinds until they were red and blistered? Larry would. That's love, Larry. That's love. You know, that's the love of God. I, you know, I don't have any kids, um, you know, but I have nieces. And, um, I, you know, I'm close enough to my nieces to where my sister just allows me to discipline them whenever, you know, the way I see fit. And, and uh, you know, I never have, I, I, I don't have any problems with my nieces anymore. They, when, when, they're, when I'm around, they are, man, they toe the line. They are straight laced, they walk, you know, in unison, they salute and all that kind of stuff. Um, I remember this one time, I'm, I'm just kidding about that, but I remember this one time, uh, I don't I think it was in the summer, uh, we used to live on, on Cheney, or not on Cheney, on, it was uh, El Dorado. And the place that we lived had a fireplace. And my, uh, my oldest niece, Sydney, was, uh, she must have been maybe four or something at the time. I mean, she was fairly little. And she might have been even younger than that. But um, she was walking, you know, just a little toddler type thing. And she was walking and she's, oh, the fireplace. And she goes over to touch it. And I saw her going for it, and I'm like, you know, this is a great opportunity to teach her something. And I, I, I see her reaching out for that fireplace. And before she got there, I grabbed her hand, and I slapped it. Man, man, I slapped it. I, I kind of surprised myself. Man, you know, it, was, it, was, it hurt my hand. Um, and I, I know it hurt hers because she, started, she pulled it back and started crying. And, and I, I stopped her, and I said, Sydney, I said, I love you so much. I said, the reason that I did that is because if you touch that, you will get hurt. I wanted her to know that that would hurt her. And it's better that I, uh, that I slap her on the top of her hand and she feel a little pain now 
than touching a hot fireplace or falling into a, a hot fireplace and feeling a lot of pain later. You know, that's the love of God. We've got to think about that. When we look into the mirror and we see things that we don't, we don't like about ourselves, we, we feel the conviction. When we look into the Word and we feel conviction about the things that we're doing, that conviction isn't, isn't to drive us away. That conviction is saying, God, God is saying, listen, what you're doing is going to cause you to die. That, because that's, that's what, what are the wages of sin? Death. death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we, um, if, if he didn't, you know, it, it would be worse if we just read our Bibles and didn't see anything wrong with us and walk through life merry and happy and all that kind of stuff and continue in our sin and end up on judgment day and God say, get away from me, I never knew you. Department from me, you worker of iniquity. Wouldn't you rather be the one that ends up, you know, having, having taken a little bit of chastisement here, taking a little bit of pain here, a little bit of conviction here, and change your life, make, let it change your life, than ending up on, and, and ending up on judgment day and, and where God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your reward. And uh, then, then being one that thinks everything's okay and end up going to hell. I love it. I, it's not comfortable, but I love it when God, uh, when God rebukes me because I know that he loves me. It makes me know that he loves me. Let's look, uh, turn to Hebrews chapter uh, 12. We'll be wrapping up soon, don't worry. I've got a clock up here, so. Brother George was telling me yesterday, he said, now, I remember that time <laughs> that you went until 9 o'clock, Cole. <laughs> Well, it was an evening service, so we didn't go like from 10 till. But, you know, a three-hour-long message is a little, <laughs> that's a little much. All right, Hebrews chapter 12. I wasn't speaking in tongues, just got, to, you know, tied up there. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. Look at this. The writer of Hebrews is quoting the scripture out of Proverbs. He says, we're going to read verses 5 through 11. And have ye, or and ye have forgotten the exhortation which, uh, which speaketh unto, unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when uh, thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Verse 7. If ye endure the chastening of the Lord, God dealeth with you as with sons. And uh, for what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you, or if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye, uh, are ye bastards, and not sons. You're illegitimate. Man, I don't want to be an illegitimate son of God. Furthermore, verse 9, we have had, uh, we have had fathers of our flesh which, correct, uh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be, su uh, be in subjection unto the Father of, of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days ch uh, chastened us, 
after their own pleasure, but after uh, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chess, uh, no chastening. For the uh, excuse me, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. That verse, that's all of verse eleven. Yeah. You know, um, man. Isn't that just the love of God? He says, this, this chastening, the, 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 when you feel conviction from God, you know, so, so many people run from that. I don't understand. So many people run from it. I guess it's because it's uncomfortable. But here's the deal. When you feel that, that conviction, that's God working in you the fruits of righteousness. We read earlier in, in Galatians, uh, the, the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and such things there is no law. And against such things there is no law. That's what the conviction of God works in our lives. It just says that. It just said that right here in verse 11. Now, uh, now no chastening for the present time seemeth to be joyous. We don't enjoy being chastened. It's, it hurts, but it's, uh, it, 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 it seems grievous. But nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. It's, the, it's through the chastening of God that we receive the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of the Spirit. We should never run from this mirror or hide ourselves or our faces from it. It's only in this mirror. It, it, this is the only way that God's will can be done in our lives. Is through the mirror of the Word of God. Turn to Romans chapter uh, chapter eight, verses uh, twenty-eight through twenty-nine. <laughs> Romans chapter eight, verses twenty-eight and twenty-nine. And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. So many times we stop there. But we, we need to read verse 29. It says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Without getting into the whole predestinate, you know, God predestinated everybody to be a, a member of, the, uh, of, of his family. It's God's desire, God's will, that none should perish, but all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But we have a choice. If we choose, you know, this is God's will for us, that we be conformed to the image of his Son. The, we be changed into the image of God, the image of Christ. God's will for us is to be conformed to the image of Christ. That means laying our own image down. 
laying our own lives down. We must lay down our lives and pick up the cross and the chastisement of God. And we must take the conviction that comes and the joys that come with it, the, you know, or the, the pains that come with it, knowing that joy comes in the end, knowing that it works the fruit of, uh, the fruit of righteousness, it works the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, and, and it's through that that we're conformed to His Word. It's through that that we're conformed and we're changed into the image of God. What God sees in you, He brings out through His conviction. Don't be, don't be afraid when you're corrected. Man, please. If, if you know, if, if uh, and, you know, so, so many people, I think they run away because uh, it's, it's the human way, it's the natural way to, uh, when, when you correct someone to go overboard. You know, uh, you, you, no one likes to be ruled by a tyrant. No one like, but God's not a tyrant. Sometimes it may seem like this correction is endless, but it's for our good. God will never tempt you beyond what you can bear. But he, with every temptation, he gives you a way of escape. He, he shows us, he's leading us, he's guiding. This is part of the leading of God. I'll move on. Romans 12 Verses 1 and 2, and we'll, we'll close with this. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Again, we're talking about the will of God. That good, acceptable, perfect will of God is us being transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's how we're, that's how we're transformed into the image of Christ. What do we renew our mind to? We renew it to the Word. That means when conviction comes, we take it. That means we hold on to it. We look into this mirror and we never forget what we, what we, what we see. What does it say in James? But whosoever, uh, whoso looketh, in verse 25, James 1.25, whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If we want to be blessed in our deeds, if we want to be blessed in our lives, we must look into the Word of God. We must see ourselves for who, who, what the Word say, uh, shows us. We must see ourselves how God sees us. And we must be conformed to the image of Christ. It's only through the renewal of the Word. It's only through the renewal of our minds that we can do this, that we can attain this. That means don't run from God, guys. Please don't run from God. Never, never, never. If you've done something, uh, Jenny, why don't you come on up or whoever's uh, praise team. Um, if, you've, if you ever, ever slip and fall, don't run from God. Why? We all do it. I'm serious. None of us are perfect. You may look at some, uh, you may, you may look at, at some people in the church and you're like, man, they're perfect. Look at them. They're, they're really good Christians. Look at them. They're super spiritual. Look at them. You know, they're Superman. I'll tell you what, Superman bleeds. No one's perfect. And we, we all, we all have a ways to go. That's why it's a journey. It's a journey. It really is. 
So with every head bowed and every guide closed, I want to I want to ask this. I'm going to ask a few things. First of all, first and foremost, the most important thing is that we all know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if we were to die today, that we'd go to heaven. That doesn't mean that you're perfect. That doesn't mean that you never fall. That doesn't mean that you don't slip up from time to time. That means that you rely on the grace of God. You recognize your weakness and you rely on His strength. The Bible says His strength is made perfect in your weakness. If you would say to me, Brother Cole, I don't know that I would go to heaven. If I, if I were to die right now, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand right now. We want to pray with you. We want to, we want to give you this opportunity to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We love you. And that's why we're giving you this opportunity. We do not, I, do, I, I don't want to see you or any one of us on that other side. You know, there's going to be two lines in heaven. <coughs> one going one way and one going the other. I'd hate to see you to be the one where God says, depart, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. It's time to know Christ right now. Is there anyone at all? I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Praise God. You know, this isn't something to be ashamed about. It's something that everybody needs to do, and it's something that, that we, we, you know, we always, we have to continually give our lives to Him. Because if we take it back, it's worth nothing. Our lives are only good. You know, I, I heard this song the other day. It's an old song uh, called A Touch or by, by the Master's Hand. This, uh, this, it's a story about a, a violin that's gone to auction. It's old and dirty, dusty. And, this, uh, and people are wanting to bid a dollar or two on it. This man, this white-haired man, stands up from the back, walks up to the, uh, the front, and uh, picks the violin up tightens the strings, starts to play a a song on it. And it's such a beautiful song. And then the the auction immediately goes, the auctioneer starts in after he's done with his song, and immediately the price jumps from $1 to $1,000, from $2 to $2,000, from $3 to $3,000. By putting your your life in the the hand of the master, in in the master's hand, by putting your life in God's hands, It's worth more than anything in your own hand. It's worth more than in your hand. So if uh, you've answered that, if you raised your hand, uh, I'd like to invite you to come forward. Just stand on up, come on forward. I want to meet you here. I want to pray with you and accept Jesus Christ. We have people to pray with you. Don't be ashamed. It's something that we've all got to do. Amen. Amen. Is there anybody else? Praise God. Just come on. Praise God. What's your name? Robert. What's it? Robert. Robert. Nice to meet you, Robert. My name's Cole. Cole. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Tell you what, uh, is Brother Joe here? No? He's out of town. Brother Joe's out of town. Brother Mark, would you come up here for a second? Robert, this is Mark. Mark's a, uh, Mark Schroeder is a... Uh, an elder in our church. He's gone through our operation going, and I I want Mark to pray with you. 
to, uh, he'll lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you can go from here with this, this assurance that you're going you're gonna to know for sure that you're going to go to heaven because Jesus has paid the price for you. He shed his blood for you. Amen. God bless you, Robert. Amen. While Brother Mark's dealing with Robert down there, I also want to talk to you. So many times we've all run from the Word. We've run from that mirror. If it's your desire, and, and you know, here's, here's the deal. I'm not going to make you come up to the front. But if it's your desire to never run from the, uh, from the mirror of the Word again, if it's your desire to take the conviction of God, to take the, ch- the, the chastening of the Lord and, and receive it and, and move and grow with it, stand up with me. Stand up with me and let's pray. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, for our, your correction in our lives. Lord, we know that it's, it, it hurts sometimes. It does, Lord. It hurts sometimes. But God, we don't ever want to run from you. We want to have an intimate relationship with you. And it's, a, it's our desire to grow in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for shedding your blood for us. Thank you, Lord God, for your grace. Lord, we ask you, to make us know, to help us to know that your grace is sufficient for us. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we, uh, as we uh, play this, this going out song, um, we would like, there's a, there's a family here that's asked for uh, the, the elders to, be, to pray for the, el- or the elders to pray for them. So if I could have all the elders of the church come forward and, uh, and that family come forward, um, we'd like to pray for you as, as the, the closing song goes.